ask me to talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller. Hello, hello, hello. Happy week. Welcome to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am super excited to um, be here today. I'm excited to be here all the time. Um, so I am joined today by Lisa Downs of New Aspect Coaching. She also has a radio show. Um, so welcome, Lisa. Thanks and so much, Stacy. Good to be here. Of course. It's, um, you know, it's nice to have another um, radio personality, dare I say it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just us radio personalities here, right, Eric? <laughs> hey, that's pseudo, what we're all about pseudo personality. Here. Right, exactly. Exactly. You know, I'm like trying to pretend I'm a big deal. Um, if you cannot listen to the show live every week, if you don't wait with bated breath like my mom and Diane and Lee, then you can certainly find uh, this in the podcast version on your preferred platform. And you can also go to my website and find it, which is stacyconnects.com. If you want to connect with me, uh, be a guest, or maybe share a topic or a thought on my my views on stopping the wildfires <laughs> and the water barrels, that's a whole thing, um, then do so through my website. Again, at stacyconnects.com. You can also call in. My um, call-in number is 425-373-5527. And I would look forward to connecting with you because that's what I do. So the week in review. Okay, it has been a week. So when last we spoke, I talked about making my debut. <laughs> and remember the guy that hit yes. on me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So um, I... You had a fancy dress. Yes, that was yes, for context. Potentially a, a little more exposure than you might have... Right, normally, normally done. done. Yes. Right, I'm normally like a a turtleneck or you know like <laughs> <laughs> or jewel jewel neck kind of a gal. And after the show, of course, Mom and Lee and Diane and there was actually some other friends of theirs, the Bromleys, that were listening to the show. And so I had to send a picture to get you know what what they thought of it, and they were all very kind. However. I sort of wonder if they were all like, oh, well, that's not bad. And, you know, mom was secretly like, wow, that's something. And they said, you can't say that. And so when she called back, she didn't say anything. So my mom saying nothing feels like she was bound and gagged. <laughs> <laughs> so the jury is kind of out on whether she had, whether she really thought it was okay or whether she was just being nice. Now, I didn't see this picture, but I'm sure you looked fabulous. Thank you, Eric. This is why I love Eric. Well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but whatever. Um, so there was that. And the other thing is, did I talk about my pumpkins last week? I don't remember that. Okay. So excuse me if I'm repeating myself. But my pumpkins that happened as a result of dropping a pumpkin after Halloween last year 
you know, you do the jack-o'-lantern and then you're like, I got to take the pumpkins out with the yard waste and then you forget. And then by the time you do it, this just clearly is my story, um, the pumpkin is starting to rot and then you drop it, let's say, I don't know, in the little area that is next to your walkway and the bottom falls. Your miracle grow that you happen to have. Right. In the backyard. Ex- well, front yard. And <laughs> front yard. so then you just take the top and you put it in the yard waste and you think, eh, I'm not worried about the bottom. Well, fast forward however many months it is, and you suddenly have a pumpkin patch in your front yard. And I have pumpkins that one of them is the size, I'm not exaggerating, of a basketball right now. Nice. And I don't know anything about growing pumpkins, so I don't know if I'm too early and I may end up breaking the record for, like, world's biggest pumpkin, or if I'm late, I don't know. And I kind of don't want to know. I just want to be surprised every day. Come October, this is going to save you upwards of 30 cents per pound, so. Right. (laughs) I'm going to be able to, there's a whole meme out there, like, in meme culture about, you know, girls in the fall going to the pumpkin patch with their cute jeans and scarves in their Starbucks cup taking pictures like out of the pumpkin patch and I'm pretty sure that I could sell like you know hey you can come here and save yourself some time (laughs) set up a little photo thing for Instagram and you know whatever you know you're potentially uh maybe not this specifically but I mean I could see a, a business starting where someone sets up a little selfie booth or whatever where they just change the backgrounds and stuff and you know uh, people come and pay two dollars or whatever and get photos in front of various different settings right yeah or okay see this is this is how this works with me and or if you have let's say in your town wherever it is there is a wall that is you know kind of not so attractive you do what they did. Let's say it's covered with gum. No, that's attractive. <laughs> that's weirdly, like, that's like pointillism. I'm like, I want somebody to, like, do the gum strategically so that when you step back, you see, like, something cool. But that's an aside. So let's say it's sort of like the wall that's in Roslyn, Washington, which is where they shot Northern Exposure. Mm-hmm. And that side of the building that uh, had the cafe and it had the moose or whatever it was on it that looks like a camel. So, yeah, it's weird. So if you had an unattractive wall in your town, let's say you took local artists, whether they be kids, adults, whatever it is, and they all get a month and they paint something. And then that becomes this like Instagrammable wall that puts your town and these artists out there. Huh? Guys. There's a lot of that in Tacoma, which is nice. Yeah. A lot oh, of artist murals. Yeah, it's great because it helps cut down on the graffiti and gives really cool visuals for folks and they're perfect for selfies, of course. So Man, I'm always just one step behind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. It's fine. Um now I am still also completely obsessed with the whole wildfire or the yeah, wildfire things. So the wildfires were coming very close to our lake house as of last week so much so that i didn't end up going to veranda beach because the fires were in within like a five or six miles from the border and i don't think that um fire goes through customs i think it just goes right through doesn't really care if it's gone over the border illegally and 
so I didn't end up going. And so I continue to become obsessed with ideas of how to stop this. And I have more and more people weighing in on this. The whole retaining pond thing, the giant rain barrels all around. Um, someone else was, suge- I can't remember what it was, the giant um, wind farm sprinklers. Uh, there's a lot of ideas. And keep them coming and somebody's going to pay attention to me. And maybe it'll be named after me. Maybe. <laughs> don't ask me to spread water. I don't know. That's kind of weird. But. Well, I mean, for people that are catching this show but haven't caught all the previous shows, you did come up with an idea where you wanted to strategically place rain barrels around the forest mm-hmm. so that there would always be, they would fill up with the rain and then there would be an easy supply of water to help put out fires at any point. Right. And, you know, potentially a good idea. My, just off the top of my head, thought that maybe, you know, hoarding that water uh, when the the forest needs the water to not be dry and not catch on fire as easy might might be an issue there. Okay. But again, (laughs) these are not like Olympic-sized swimming pool rain barrels. Right. So it's just the precipitation that would fall in that area. Rainwater to fight fires, you need a big container is what I'm thinking. Ugh, eye roll. But <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just saying, you know, there's uh, there's things to consider in the development of it. You know. Yes. Well, yes. and ideally you don't need it. So it builds up the precipitation and then you figure out a way that it doesn't evaporate because, hello, water evaporates. I know about the water cycle. And um, so you have to figure out a way that it won't evaporate so that, let's say, you don't need it for a couple of years. There's some water there. Right? Okay. Yeah. He's still not convinced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, well, you how know. How many rain barrels are we talking? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> It would have to be a lot. And I suppose the thing is, like, you can't predict where the the wildfire is going to be. So true. So that's a bit tricky. Um, and and I don't I, I don't know. I haven't thought this through. I need experts for this. <laughs> so, you know, that's a thing. And then did I I'm losing my mind. Did I share the idea that we came for collecting old cars? I don't remember this one. Okay. Here's another one. <laughs> and then and and then I will switch topics here. Uh, the other idea is I drive the four and a half hours each time to the lake house. You get further and further into like farm country and rural and whatever. And on the side of the road, you see all of these cars. Some are, you know, super, super old. Some are just more recently old. They're abandoned and they're just there. And the number of of these cars or farm machinery or whatever it is that are left, it's crazy. And I was thinking, wow, wouldn't it be cool if somebody went along and picked up all these cars? And there are some people that collect cars, like a Jay Leno, right? Mm -hmm. And so bring it back to its former glory. And the other ones, pick them up so that all the stuff doesn't get into the environment and you can use it for scrap metal. Or my son, Will, was like, well, what if you took the... The chassis is the outside or the inside? Do you know, Eric, of a car? The chassis is like the body, right? So the outside part. Yeah. So his thing was, if the chassis was in good shape, you could actually put that over the uh, innards of an electric car. So you have the vibe of the old car, 
with the mode of operation of a new car. Yeah, there's companies that do that. It's really cool. The the they electric take, thing? Yeah, they take classic cars and then they convert them to electric cars. Right? Yeah. So now they need to be partnering with somebody that's going to go through and pick up all these cars that are all over the place and just left in disrepair. I have so much work to do. <laughs> Let, let's get Jay Leno up here with a tractor trailer and we can solve the Exactly. Train. Solve the issue. Exactly. It's a Pick good thing. Pick up our car litter, Jay. Exactly. Come well, on, everybody. <laughs> I'm here to get to it. I have his autograph from when I was like nine years old. Really? Nice. Yep. That's cool. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing that I have you on the show today, Lisa, because we can talk <laughs> about what my next chapter is going to be. Um, there we go. My last thing that I always do on the show is I have a Staceyism. And um, what I appreciate with all of the different things that I've been talking about and all these ideas that I have and these, you know, what, whether they're ideas that I can actually make happen or they're wild hair ideas, options are one of the most valuable things a person can have. And yeah. it's when you don't have options that you run into trouble. And so I am always so grateful for options. And... When we used to talk to our kids about behaving certain ways or with your teacher or how you behave at school or in work or whatever the environment is, we used to explain that, you know, if you worked hard and you showed respect and, and you did those things, that you were afforded more, more options, more opportunities. And so, you know, you don't have to work really hard to get a 4.0 just to say you got a 4.0. Work hard, whatever that looks like for you, so that you just have choices of what you want to do next. And it may not be a traditional path. It may be untraditional. It's just that that valuable commodity of having options and not having your life be chosen for you. So that's my Stasiism. Okay. Sage advice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we are going to chat more with Lisa Downs. We'll be right back with Don't Ask Me to Talk. When giving presentations, do you feel nervous, worry you won't get your message across, or hold your listeners' attention? Storytelling is an essential business skill most people don't learn. Telling your story clearly, concisely, and with real connection is key because people respond to and learn from stories more than charts or spreadsheets. Find and finesse your story so you can share it effectively with executive storytelling coach, Melissa Reeves of Story Fruition. Melissa offers individual coaching, workshops, and webinars that teach the ABCs of Tell Me More, Please. Go to www.storyfruition.com. Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited. Hi. Hi, I'm J.D.K. Winnikin, host of This Show Is All About You. If you're like me, you seek many things in your life. Adventure, meaning, belonging, you have dreams and you want fun, and of course, you want love. And we also want other people to join us along the path. 
But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for This Show is All About You, a show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com. Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling. Need help getting started with self-help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk, 1150. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I'm your host, Stacey Heller. I'm joined today by Lisa Downs. And Lisa has her own show here on KKNW 1150 Alternative Talk Radio. And it is called Reigniting You. And you may have heard um, her ad actually on my show. And Lisa is the one that reached out to me first to, hey, you know, want to switch and um, promote shows. And so then, of course, I had to find out who this woman was and what she does and listen to some of her shows. And um, and then we met and we talked and I was so excited about what you do. So welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you. Of course. And the whole concept of what you do, um, helping people think about not the last chapter, but the next chapter, if you're over the age of 40 and you are trying to reignite some excitement in your professional life. Yes. Did I, did I say that well? You did. That's great. Yeah, you, you captured it well. So, Good. yeah, I like to say I, I help, you know, really help and guide people to figure out purpose and a plan for what's next for them. So some of the folks I work with are looking for an encore career. So, you know, they're in 40s, 50s and just dissatisfied with what they're doing, or maybe they've had sudden job loss during the pandemic. But yeah, the last year, you know, a lot of people rethinking things. And so sometimes it's people who are in an encore career situation. Other times it's folks who are looking to retire, semi-retire, and work has been life and life has been work. And so it's tough for them to think outside of that, what the heck they're going to do with themselves 24-7 when they're in that next phase. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's like a a midlife crisis that a lot of people have. Um, it seems like even on the personal side, the number of mostly girlfriends that I talk with this about, because with husbands, I don't seem to get as in-depth um, in social settings. But a lot of us talking, whether you've been a stay-at-home mom and you're thinking about you know, what's next or mm-hmm. you have worked part-time or maybe you've worked full-time, it seems to be a time of real reflection about who am I really? Yeah, and it's a natural process. So there is actually a term for it called middle sense. Oh. So uh, we go through middle sense, which is our doorway into elderhood. 
just like adolescence as our doorway into adulthood and our uh, kind of symptoms, so to speak, of middle sense uh, mirror those of adolescence. So you think about women going through menopause, men going through andropause. Um, it is kind of that midlife crisis time and, and it is a, a time of great reflection and it typically hits anywhere between 40 and 60 years old that we go through this. And it is, uh, as he said, it's really a, a time of reassessing things and reflecting on what we've done in our lives to date. And then what more do we want to do or how can we do things differently going forward for you know, the second half? Uh, right. But yeah, it is a natural phenomenon. So I always tell people, you know, if you're going through this, it's nothing to feel bad about or weird about because we all go through it and it's perfectly natural and normal. Interesting. It's it. It explains why when you're going through this, you're you have the same uh, almost confusion and awkwardness that you have in adolescence then. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. It's like, you know, we go through very similar physical, emotional, you know, hormonal changes uh, at this period of our lives, just as we do when we're preteens and teenagers. Yeah. I mean, I feel, you know, I have been evolving over the past with my career. I was a stay-at-home mom for forever and then started working part-time for someone else and then thought, hmm, I have some ideas. I could do something with rain barrels. And um, that is totally not my profession. Or pumpkins. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or inadvertently with pumpkins. <laughs> or inadvertently. <laughs> and, um, you know, so started my own business, Daisy Connects, and that has evolved and it has been at times as messy and awkward as adolescence in figuring out it's like you know well I'll major in this I'm going to be an art history major and then it's like nope I'm going to be a this major and you try out that and it's taking a while and more and more it's all starting to coalesce and I'm getting more and more into the podcast and the radio space and brainstorming with people about their brand and starting to narrow my focus more. Mm -hmm. But it has been, it's been a trip. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, of course, it's different person by person. So, you know, it won't look, you know, your experience won't look the same as my experience uh, or compared to anybody else. So, you know, we are our wonderful, unique, messy selves. So we all go through it differently and it will look different person by person, just as, you know, someone's career path will look different, just as someone's retirement life will look different person by person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so much of it too, is we have to stop comparing ourselves to other people. And, you know, we can really get ourselves in trouble with that uh, when we get so wrapped up into, well, you know, I'm not aging like this person, or my career isn't mirroring this person, or I thought it would be like this because this was this guy's experience. And we really have to stop doing that and realize that whatever our experience is, is okay. And we will get through it very differently from the person next to us. I use the analogy a lot of snowflakes because, you know, when you're a kid, you grow up making snowflakes and in school with the scissors and the paper folded and how every snowflake is unique. You know, you're taught that there's no two snowflakes that are alike. However, then, you know, you have a snowstorm that's in front of you. And how can you tell the difference between these very unique snowflakes? And what you're talking about is that there is a snowstorm of 
over 40 folks that are Mm -hmm. feeling this way. And yet they are all, we are all unique. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, when I work with folks too, it's, I always try to emphasize, you know, my, my job, my role is to meet you exactly where you are. So wherever you are in your process, wherever you are in your life, that's where I will meet you. And then we will figure out together, you know, what is that best possible path, that best plan for you to move forward. So it's not about me ever imposing you know, what I think you should do or my beliefs or go here, do that, do this, Uh you know, it's not mentoring. It's more of, you know, let me learn about where you are, your particular unique circumstance. What are the things that are rattling around in your head? And as you're working through your middle sense, what's come up for you? Is it, hey, my uncle has a barn, let's put on a show. Is it, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, going in this direction with this industry. I'm thinking about maybe only working part-time. So whatever that is, you know, it's to me, that's the critical part is meeting the person where they are and then, you know, going from there. So, well, and it's interesting that it's middle sense um, versus adolescence. I, Mm -hmm. I think of this show as it's like my second shot at doing something that I probably always wanted to do. So I was the theater kid in high school that did not actually perform on stage. I was the one that was behind the scenes. I did the props and the set design and the lighting and stage manager and all of those things. Secretly always wanted to, wanting to be on stage and, you know, be that yeah. center person. And was too cautious about it and didn't trust that I had any talent because I didn't have the talent, the acting piece. I can't act like anyone other than myself. The singing do not have me sing. And so therefore, you know, being yourself is not something that you normally get to have a spotlight on you for. Yeah. And so it's interesting that in middle sense, it's like I'm, I've gone back and I get this second shot. And so being open to and working with someone like you and as you say that what's the things that's rattling around in your brain you know what's the thing that like deep down you don't even say it out loud you Mm -hmm. know like I've always wanted to write a book or you know I've always wanted to do voice acting Um, you know that maybe you might actually find a thread from your adolescent self to that piece yeah exactly and so often we give up those parts of ourselves when we become adults or, you know, we go through school, we get out of school, we figure out, you know, what we want to do in our early career and where we go off to college and that consumes us for a number of years and then, oh, out of school and now I have to have a job and I might, you know, get married and have children and then all the demands of that that can take over. And so some of it too is hearkening back to those times and, you know, what was an activity, what was a hobby, what was a first job, summer gig, you know, that you really enjoyed and would it make any sense at all to potentially go back to doing that? I mean, for me, you know, the radio stuff is hearkening back to my very first career. Um, so I, I was kind of the opposite. So I was a theater kid in school and, did show choir and speech and debate competitions and all of that stuff and um, worked in radio through college and then a little bit after that. And so for me, it was going into education and learning and adult training was a way for me to um, still perform to an extent, Mm -hmm. but not Mm -hmm. have the pressures of 
um, that were in the entertainment industry and then, yep. you know, no designs on trying to make it, so to speak, and performing um, or, you know, theater or any of that stuff was just not what I was going to do as an adult and, and had had enough of it going through school. So, but for me, you know, starting the show last year uh, was a way for me to tap back into that broadcasting interest that I still enjoy. Mm-hmm. And it's how I met my husband. And and so we, you know, got bit by that bug early on. And, and now he's kind of getting back to it a bit with video production work. And I'm getting back to it with, with the show and that sort of thing. So, you know, nothing says that you can't pick up with something because you, you know, kind of had to abandon it or it was something that was a dream and that wasn't realistic at that time. It's, mm-hmm. If there's ever going to be a time, chances it's are it's now. <laughs> right. I mean, so. you might have the, you know, obviously, ideally, you have maybe a a partner who, if you're going to completely switch careers, you can afford to take that kind of financial risk or you're going to have the support or, you know, whatever it is. So, you know, obviously not all situations are created equal. However, you know, that being able to explore things and to not have to worry about the the have to's or the supposed mm-hmm. to's or, you know, what, what society says you're supposed to do and what's the norm or the normal timeline or whatever it is. It's kind of freeing. It is. Yeah. Very freeing. And, and it's like, you know, anything is possible. It's just, what are the steps and the the things you have to get in place to get there? And I know, you know, I went out on my own. I, I bagged my corporate life um, yeah, so doing tell me- training and development about six years ago. And, uh, Yeah. So for me, it was, you know, working with my husband, you know, we're a team. So working with my partner to figure out how, how, if I, you know, decided to go out on my own, how could we make it work and what could that look like and what changes might we need to make and, you know, how can we have it be doable? And we did. And, um, so rather than, you know, negativity coming into play with, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. Mm -hmm. And, and every excuse under the sun for why not to, then it became, well, why not? And, you know, how can we make that happen? Absolutely. Because the that worry, you know, I I have joked for years that I have a tendency to Tanya Harding myself. I've turned her into a <laughs> verb. And, you know, I, I'm not sure which I'm more afraid of, success or failure, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And so it's an interesting thing where, you know, this idea of, getting so close and I can't. And I've met with people before that talk about, you know, well, what is your goal with your business? You know, what kind of money do you want to make? Or what is, you know, what do you see yourself doing? And my honest response for a long time was, I just don't want a Tanya Harding myself. Like every day that I'm still in business and that I'm still showing up and doing something is actually a huge success for me. And, you know, and so... I haven't even thought beyond that, or I hadn't for a long time, and now I want to run the world. <laughs> yeah, but you're not alone, right? There's a lot of people I encounter who have that. It's not fear of failure. It is the fear of success. You know, what happens if this goes swimmingly well, and then I'm bombarded and I can't handle it? Or now people have such high expectations that I can't live up to them. And so often that is... A lot of the fear, but, you know, so much of it comes down to fear and trepidation and, 
And so that's a lot of the work I do with clients as well is kind of peel those layers back and, and say, okay, what, you know, what's at the heart of this hesitancy mm-hmm. or the heart of the resistance where if it, chances are it's some sort of fear of something. So what is that? Right. And then, you know, what, what can we do to help work through that and find a different path forward and it's not that you're ever don't have the fear. It's like, you know, fear isn't something that we ever truly get over because it's a part of us. It's a part of who we are as our unique selves. And so it's more about, okay, well, how can you leverage that fear in a positive way, you know, rechannel that energy to something that's good that you want to go after. And then when the fear starts to come to the surface, you know, what are some strategies for you to tamp that down and focus over here on something that's more positive for you? Right. It's kind of assessing the risk. It is. Of, yeah. You know, a lot of, of risk things. assessment. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have so many questions that are swimming in my head right now um, and so many thoughts. Um, okay. Uh, let's start in no particular order. By the way, do you work with people with ADHD? Because that's what you're doing right now. <laughs> Sure, I'll work with anyone. (laughs) Okay, great. Because some of the thoughts in no particular order running through my head. One, it's interesting that you talk about your past that you had kind of with the broadcasting and that kind of thing. And that for years in corporate, you were in training and development because Mm -hmm. you have essentially married those two skills. And so you've taken your experience and some of your training and you're helping other people and helping them develop what this next chapter looks like and giving them the tools that they can really look at it in the mirror with no judgment and Mm -hmm. find a way to make that vision a reality. And with with your show and being in a position where you're counseling people, it is a bit of being in the spotlight. So that's just a comment that you are, you are walking the walk or walking the talk. Yeah. So there's that comment. Then uh, another thought that I was curious about is the folks that you're working with, as I mentioned, a lot of my friends, they are either they have been stay at home for a long time Mm -hmm. or they've had a part time job that now that they're looking at the prospects of being an empty nester, they are thinking about this next space. Do you find the folks that have been working for years have a harder time thinking about this next chapter or people that haven't even dared to dream because they haven't been out there for a long time. Um, Who do you find? I know we're not supposed to be comparing people, um, but as a general rule, um, do you find that there are some similarities or differences in those types of people? So, you know, it's interesting and, and, and it's something I reference quite a bit in my work is something that's called role centrality theory. And it sounds really nerdy and very bookish, and uh, but I'm a learning nerd and so I love it. But uh, role centrality theory is this concept that uh, the, the more positive viewpoint you had when entering your career of your career and the more strongly you identify with it, then the more difficult you're going to time, you're going to have releasing yourself from it. So often the people that I work with, they have such high role centrality. So in other words, they're clinging to that work identity so dang tightly that it takes a lot of work to tease apart 
who the heck they are at their core and you know how they can define themselves that is not so tightly attached to their job, that career. On the other hand, uh, if throughout your life, you've kind of gone from job to job and thing to thing, and that means you have lower role centrality, so you're not as tightly identified with it and exiting it isn't as big of a deal, then you're going to have a much easier time figuring out what's next for you and um, figuring out, you know, who do you want to be in this next phase? What are you going to say when people ask what you do? And, and you know, how are you going to identify yourself? And they tend to have an easier time with that. So, and interestingly enough, um, women tend to have lower role centrality and an easier time figuring out what's next and dreaming and going after those things as opposed to men uh, who have higher role centrality and have a more difficult time traditionally. Now, not, of course, we're generalizing here. Right. And it's not every man, it's not every woman uh, or anyone in between. Uh, but when you think about it, you know, traditionally in our society, who have been the major breadwinners over the years, it's traditionally been men mm -hmm. who've gone to work, you know, brought home the bacon, so to speak, mm -hmm. even though now those roles have changed a lot, but still it's, you know, how they're raised uh, in, sure. when it comes to gender roles can play a big role in that as well. So that's a long-winded answer, but no, it's um, a great answer though. But it's more about not necessarily their current situation. It's more about what is their role centrality and how tightly do they identify with work? Because the higher that is, the tougher it's going to be to separate. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I mean, I think of societal norms and you know, okay, you're supposed to go off and do this, and it's like, no, no, I can't let go of that because then my identity is like shot. So much to talk about. So little time. Let's take another uh, quick break. And then when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Lisa Downs of New Aspect Coaching. We'll be right back with Don't Ask Me to Talk. Are you stuck in a creative straitjacket going crazy trying to find a different way out? Exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh? And relevant, Popcorn and Noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services, or which direction to consider next, Popcorn and Noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodleideas.com. Creative solutions serve daily. Entrepreneurs, is your why lackluster, stale, or missing for investor pitches and presentations? Do you lean on data rather than a compelling narrative to tell your story? Stories sell ideas, don't leave them out. The ability to tell your story with impact is an essential business skill. Find and finesse your story so you can finance your brand and business with Melissa Reeves, CEO of Story Fruition. Melissa teaches core storytelling elements that engage clients and investors alike. Recently, one CEO secured over $35 million in Series A funding using the Story Fruition method. Get started at StoryFruition.com. Stacey Heller is many things, entertaining yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. 
Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to stacyconnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. Exploring new territory every day. This is Alternative Talk 1150. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to the show. I'm Stacey Heller. I feel like I need to put together a compilation of all the conversations that are had during the commercial breaks because so much is talked about. I'm I'm throwing a party later, talking about taking swigs of Diet Coke, party tumblers, lipstick. There's a lot that goes on. A lot happening. Right? It's Do I Eric need to start recording those? I kind of feel... <laughs> I haven't been. So. <laughs> you could have to do like some kind of reenactment. Right? Exactly. Well, I That's think right. it's just because you don't want people to know that you're wearing lipstick. <laughs> okay. You don't even know where to go with that one. Yeah, no. I'm teasing. I'm the one that's wearing that lipstick. Okay. So, strong lip and brows. We were talking um, before the break about this whole, um, the role centrality. I'm learning so many words. And it is such an interesting concept. And I was saying right when we were going to break um, that it's made it so easy for me because I'm like, woohoo. You know, I I never had a what I would deem as a career. I got Mm -hmm. married very young and we started our family pretty shortly thereafter. And so the jobs that I had in between when I was married and when we had kids were retail and I didn't do it as a career. I did it as a way to pass the time and make some money. And um, so for me, my identity has never really been closely associated with what I do, even even as a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. You know, I never felt completely comfortable with that as my my professional identity. I'm doing air quotes. I forget that I'm not on TV. So air quotes, my professional identity. And it does seem like as we evolve and we get older, we do want to, we we normally do identify with what we do professionally. And so then we take more care as we think about these next things that we want to do to more closely identify with mm-hmm. who we are personally. Would you agree with that? Completely agree. And you know, a lot of it, too, is really pairing things back to what what are those core values? So, you know, what are those five to six, what you would say were those core or governing values that are really about who you are? And I would definitely agree with that because, yeah, the you know, the older we get, the wiser we get, the more life experience we have, the more closely we want our day to day lives to be connected to those core values. And it's a a big reason why a lot of people will leave organizations because they are seeing that either the values have changed since the time they were hired Mm -hmm. or, you know, they got into a role, got into a company or an employer and are like, "Uh uh-uh, you know, this isn't going to work for me anymore because this is so out of whack with what I, you know, with my values mm-hmm. and what's important to me. And I, you know, as we get older, our tolerance level for that stuff gets mm-hmm. less and less. And the less we'll put up with when it comes to, um, you know, what what our lives look like. I also um, think it's very interesting. 
it's an observation, at least for me, having four kids, two of whom have now left the nest. One is on sort of the eve of that. Um, she's a rising senior in college. And then our uh, son, who's the last at home, he's heading to college next year. And in part, not wanting to put up with the nonsense is watching them now starting to go through the nonsense Mm-hmm. It's fascinating how you watch them starting to to do all of the things that you had to do at one point, and you've now learned that, you know, well, this is ridiculous, and that's not worth it, and you have all these life lessons, and, you know, so now you have an opportunity to to not have to put up with that, and at the same time, helping your kids navigate through that very thing. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. So if someone comes to work with you tell me um tell me what it is that usually spurs them to action to find you and then once they do connect with you what happens so uh they can be spurred in you know many different types of scenarios so a common one is that um they just aren't feeling it anymore when it comes to the work they've been doing so they've been you know, in an industry or doing the same type of roles over and over, or they've really gotten burned out on the work environment. Mm-hmm. And so they know they're not happy anymore, but they don't have much of a clue in terms of what they are going to do next and what would be a good path for them to go down. Sometimes it's folks who have received a severance package uh, mm-hmm. during the pandemic or Otherwise, mm-hmm. whether it's for early retirement, taking an early retirement package, or just a regular severance package having been laid off. And they're seeing this as an opportunity to decide what's next for them and have an adventure or, you know, just figure that out. You know, it's a great time to do that. And then other times it's people who are um, on the verge of retiring from their organization and are freaking out a bit. So, um, I just started working with a client. Uh, we have our second conversation after this today, uh, who has is a VP for a nonprofit, has had a very high-powered career, and she knows it's getting to be about time to retire, and she uh, doesn't have any idea what to do with herself, where to live, wow. um, you know, what where she should go what you know where to channel her energy and her skills and so sometimes it's that type of situation too but it really does run the gamut uh, all across the board interesting uh do you find are you um is there an equal amount of men versus women that you work with yeah I'll, i'll work with um anyone from that aspect so i don't uh cater to one or the other target one or the other Um, you know, my kind of my wheelhouse are people in their 50s, 60s, Mm -hmm. uh, ideally is is really my target audience that said, I'm happy to work with folks in their 40s, people in their 70s, but really that 50s and 60s is ideal. And then, you know, once um, someone reaches out and contacts me, so I always do a, you know, it's kind of standard free consult Mm -hmm. uh, to see if we're a fit for working together. And then my process is if we decide it's a go, Uh, We have what I call a foundational coaching session, which is really just for me to build rapport with them, get to know them a bit better, uh, just to learn a bit more about who they are. And then we kind of set our rhythm or or cadence for the coaching. 
Um, and then the coaching engagements last anywhere from two months up to three months. If people want to go longer than that, they can always tack on more time. Uh, but Reigniting You is also the name of my signature one-on-one -on -one coaching package that's a 90-day situation where we coach for three weeks in a row uh, for an hour every week. They get a week off to go do, I'll use my air quotes, homework. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but really it's, it's all about walking them through the process of vision. So life vision, who are they going to be in this next phase? What is their personal or professional brand? Because even if you're retiring, you still need one because you still need a response to that. What do you do question mm -hmm. when you meet someone new? And then, you know, what are those fears, trepidations, anything limiting them, obstacles that could get in their way? And then let's talk about what are those concrete goals and actions that they're going to take going forward. The obstacle thing is something that so resonates, um, A, as somebody that identifies as Tanya Harding themselves. Um, <laughs> and B, when I work with clients and I'm brainstorming on their brand and how it can show up, I talk a lot with them about this idea that the things that you perceive are your obstacles may very well be the thing that sets you apart. It may mm -hmm. very well be the thing that connects you with your target audience. And yep. you you think that, you know, oh, I've, you know, I'm not, I'm fidgety and I'm not good at doing this. And it's like, well, talk about that because yeah. inevitably that may start a conversation and people may feel like, you know, oh my gosh, I totally relate with that. And to have somebody that is doing X, Y, Z for me that relates, it's so great. And so the obstacle thing, I know at least in the work that I do, I just, you know, I'm always curious about those perceived obstacles because so often they align with what you should probably um, be incorporating in your personal and professional life. Oh, absolutely. And it's saying, you know, kind of my story, you know, that's out on my website um, is really tied to how I was living my own definition of insanity. So I was falling into these same types of learning and development roles, whether it was in professional services or corporate. And, uh, you know, I would just keep spinning because I was taking the same types of roles over and over and everyone wanted the same types of leadership and manager development programs built out and teaching the same types of courses over and over. And, you know, I had joke with my friends, if I had to teach uh, managers how to give feedback one more time, I was going <laughs> to hurl on my shoes. It was not going to be pretty. And, uh, but, you know, that other people were like, well, you know, what's wrong with you? You have this great job and, um, you know, you're making great money and have the benefits and all of that. And, uh, but it was like, yeah, I just, you know, first I get bored. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I need a lot of variety. And so when I asked the question to my bosses, you know, well, what's next after I did this thing and I wouldn't get a good answer, it's like, well, I'm not sticking around just to maintain stuff because that just, you know, would bore me to death. And, uh, you know, I need a lot of variety. And uh, so it's you know a big reason why I left. But, you know, I think uh, folks can identify with that. And, and yeah, it's like, you know, some might see that my definition of insanity spinning was a big obstacle or my desire to do different things and not live the same day over and over like Groundhog Day mm -hmm. in the classroom, um, you know, while others might be perfectly happy with that. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, speaks to that, I think, as well. Absolutely. It's, it's a big part of it. It's the whole finding what makes your, uh, your um, tail wag. Yeah. 
I'm yeah, always talking sure. about that piece. Um, it's it is um, it's something that reminds me of the when you get laid off. Um, you sometimes have the opportunity to go to uh, career counseling, and I feel mm-hmm. like this is something that even if you think that you're happy in your career, can you work with people that are just kind of like, I need a mental tune-up to see, Mm -hmm. like, am I happy with what I'm doing? Like, what is it, you know, before I go in and I have my 180 or 360 or whatever the heck those things are called, um, you know, with my, my boss, you know, what do I need? What do I want? Do you do those kinds of conversations? Yeah, I think it's all part of it. You know, as I, I really see it as kind of what, you know, getting people grounded well in their vision, their purpose, their plan, you know, regardless of really what that looks like. And so, yeah, they may want to stay in their with their employer for a number of years. They may have a target date in terms of when they might want to retire, but are still happy doing what they're doing. But yeah, it's, you know, there are always things we can do internally within our organizations and with colleagues and with leaders. Uh, always things we can do to go after different roles if we're interested in transferring to a different position. Or, you know, we figure out that, oh, you know, I really do want to be a people leader uh, when I've been an individual contributor all this time. And, Mm -hmm. oh, no, I've been a people leader and I think I hate it. So what am I going to do now? And have I just torpedoed my career because I don't want to do this anymore? Yep. Uh, So, yeah, you know, there's lots of great conversations and, um, you know, situations to work with in that respect as well. Okay. So it's not always a, a complete 180 pivot. Sometimes a pivot can be a little acute purposeful yeah it can be something that's smaller that will still help you you know live according to your values and help you achieve your vision in the long run awesome okay we're running out of time here so will you please share with people information about both your services that you provide and your show so that if people want to start listening to your show or the podcast um, they can do that Sure. So for the show, just head on over to reignitingyou.com. There you can listen to past episodes in the show archive. And of course, listen live here on KKNW every Wednesday at three o'clock Pacific time or via podcast app, YouTube. Um, And then for the business, uh, that website is yournewaspect.com. So you can find me there, get in touch, sign up for any of my free content there and and check out my services. But mainly I focus on -on one-on-one coaching as well as for businesses. I offer uh, retirement coaching for their employees as well as kind of more traditional outplacement type programs to support those who've experience job loss. Awesome. So good. I um, Someday I may need to talk with you because I may have, again, going back to my stasiism, I may have so many options that I have to decide which one wags yeah. my tail the most. Yeah. Am I going to pursue keeping um, forest fires at bay? Am I going to pursue <laughs> seasonal photo booths? I don't know. So much to decide. Um. Thank you so much, Lisa, for being a guest on the show. I really, really appreciate it. I so enjoy your show and listening to it. And I'm so excited that you reached out to me initially. And um, I love being a partner in this journey with you. 
Awesome. Thanks so much, Stacey. I really appreciate it. And it's great to talk with you. Of course. Thank you to Eric, of course. Thanks, Eric. And, you. you know, love to mom and the glop and um, a shout out to the Whistlers that are moving to Chicago, which is my party. Next week, I am joined by my interior designer slash decorator, Christine Archer of Archer Interiors. We will talk about what she does and what she has done to my home. In the meantime, make sure that you stay connected. Thanks for listening. 